welcome to episode 39 of the Lace Em Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. The off-season continues, and um, you've heard most of our reaction already as to the big signings. There were a lot of other signings uh, that have happened over the past couple weeks since we last chatted. Uh, we'll get to those in rapid fire, but we are going to get some fan reaction for you. First, we're going to be talking to... Uh, a fan, a hockey fan who watches the New York Islanders. Um, I, I think religiously. Does he watch the Islanders religiously, Brett? Um, yeah, I know he's an Islanders fan. I would, okay, so, fair uh, to so say, um, yeah. Brian, the Islanders fan, he'll he'll uh, further explain himself uh, later on. He'll be talking about uh, the uh, question marks that uh, his team still needs to fill. Uh, they got some talented prospects. So we'll ask him about that, and of course, Andrew Ladd coming. Uh, to Long Island, Kyler Poso moving out, all that stuff. Um, and later in the program, we're going to be talking to uh, Josh Greenwald, who is a diehard Habs fan. Of course, we're going to ask him about, about uh, the P.K. Subban, Shea Weber trade. We have to. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on that and uh, lots of rapid-fire stuff. Uh, first off, though, as we always do, shout-outs to uh, the NHL players past and present who have worn a particular jersey number. Um, because it's episode 39, we're going to list off a couple of names who have worn number 39 in the NHL. Of course, Dominic Asik, the most notable. Uh, but a lot of uh, modern-day NHLers uh, wear number 39. Logan Couture, obviously, of the Sharks. Matt Bolesky for a time as well. Uh, Tobias Enstrom. Matt Hartner, who just recently retired, but uh, most remembered for his time in Ottawa and that big uh, double-triple OT goal he scored against the Penguins in 2010. That was gorgeous. Uh, Doug Gilmore, believe it or not, uh, during his time in Calgary, I think it was, he wore number 39. Uh, William Nylander, in his short time at the Leafs, also uh, wore number 39. We'll see if that continues. Peter Laviolette, um, who used to coach the New York Islanders, if I'm not mistaken, um, he um, also wore number 39, uh, as did Ryan Miller during his time in St. Louis. Uh, Brian Screwland, Doug Waite, of course. Uh, Jason Spezza, before Dominic Asha came, he wore number 39. And uh, Rick DiPietro, of course, for the New York Islanders. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Friesen, Dan Cloutier, just uh, to name a few. So to all those past and present who have worn number 39 in the NHL, this podcast is for you. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. So I guess it was a good day to uh, bring on an Islanders fan. Yeah, uh, a lot of Islanders on that list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so social media, uh, we have... Um, uh, right, sorry, uh, Facebook um, is our lace them up. Um, our Twitter's Lace Up Podcast. Just you know, um, like those and follow us on that. Um, and also, uh, iTunes, we're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. Um, you know, just go, just search us up uh, with you know Lace Them Up Podcast. Uh, we also have an email, uh, laceupbag at gmail.com. Uh, any comments, questions, whatever, um, and we may, we may put we may answer them on the show. 
Yeah, um, and future suggestions for future shows, yeah. we are open to those as well. We love to hear your ideas. Exactly. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I guess I'll introduce these guys even though uh, they'll introduce themselves when we interview them. But, um, the, uh, so yeah, first off, we figured that since there isn't too much in the hockey world right now, past two weeks, we'll, uh, we'll get, you know, fans of teams that made a lot of moves. Um, and the Islanders and the Canadians definitely did. Um, so, uh, Brian Darnstead is an Islanders fan, as we mentioned earlier in the show. Um, he, uh, so I know him through, uh, this, um, this, uh, fantasy hockey Facebook group that I'm a part of. Um, he's also a Red Sox Patriots fan. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he's an Islanders fan there. Um, and then, um, and then we have Josh Greenwald. Um, I'm not sure if we've ever mentioned how me and Steve know each other, but, uh, we used to work for, uh, or write for Ultimate Hockey Network. Yes. And our editor was Josh Greenwald. Mm -hmm. Um, and then eventually Josh Greenwald stepped down and assigned me as the editor-in-chief, and then me and Steve started communicating more, so, um. Uh, so prior to that, we didn't even know yeah. who each of us were. <laughs> yeah, we had no idea. Yeah. So, uh, Josh, so we know each other. Josh, Josh, you basically uh, connected us to each other. So, um, probably without him, uh, we wouldn't have, um, you know, we, this podcast probably wouldn't have happened. So, uh, we'll thank him. But he happens to be a fan of a rival team, the Montreal Canadiens, um, and we thought this would be a good time as any to get him on. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess let's get going. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. All right, uh, hi, I'm Brian, and uh, basically they asked me to be on the show and just talk about the honors a little bit. I've been a fan, like diehard fan since like, I was like 2006, 2007, and just been watching them ever since. Experienced a lot, the highs and lows, and happy to be on. Yeah, we're we're happy to have you. Uh, uh, just just a just a quick question now, there, Brian. Uh, uh, I know this is probably uh, a little bit of a curveball, but is there one particular New York Islanders player that really got you hooked onto watching the New York Islanders in the first place? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I was. It's definitely Tavares. Just mm-hmm. like watching the team on and off, I kind of liked them in the beginning. Like, I started watching. I started watching casually early two thousands with. Uh, Alexi Zitnik, the defenseman. Yeah. But uh, I think, like, 2009 when they dra- – I think yeah, I think it was 09 when they drafted Tavares. I just started watching, like, religiously, and I've been doing so ever since. Yeah, I think there was – the 2009 draft was Tavares, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah. I, I remember because uh, his – he played for the Oshawa Generals before he played for the Linden Knights in the OHL, and the, and the Generals were in the 67th division uh, – so I watched the 67s a lot, and we were actually um, at um, what's well, now TD Place. Back then, they called it the Civic Center, and uh, Tavares broke the OHL scoring record held by Gretzky, and when we were there to witness it, and it, it, what he was doing was just remarkable. So, yeah, very, very talented player. Yeah, I think I think Tavares is the reason a lot of Islanders fans kind of came back to the sport was because he was the superstar that we've been that they've never had for 
quite some time, honestly, since like I don't even remember. Mike Bossy, like, or like the yeah, '80s yeah, Islanders. Yeah, yeah. yeah like those guys. Like, yeah, because like the Islanders had like a drought in like the '90s and 2000s where they just weren't yeah, it's really like, relevant. They had, like, they had like good players in the '90s. Yeah, there was like like they had a couple guys like Paul Fee, I think, was the '90s, but. Other than that, that team was nothing special. Yeah, now, like, Tavares has kind of put them on the map, so to speak. Yep. Um, all right, I guess we can get going with these questions that we have. Um, so, uh, your thoughts on the lad getting lad. Um, we'll talk about the uh, people leaving the Islanders soon, but um, you can start with your big addition. So, uh, yeah, your thoughts on the lad deal. Uh, honestly, I'm I'm still conflicted on the lad deal because I think he's around a similar skill level of Akposo, and the money is better. But I'm not a fan of the seven years when he's like thirty. He's like thirty, right? Thirty-two. Um. Yeah, I know he's old. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's why, that's why I'm. Hold on, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the general. Yeah, he's uh he's thirty years old. Uh, yeah. yeah, just a reminder, it's seven years, $5.5 million per year. The, the money isn't terrible. Like, that's not bad money for a player his caliber. It's just the term, kind of similar to Boyd Chucks, might be an albatross in a couple of years. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't remind me about Boyd Chuck here. Um, oh, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. Um, so, yeah, so you, t- you mentioned Akposo before, so... Is that gonna hurt the most in terms of the people who left? Uh, there's Kyle Ocposo, Franz Nielsen, and Matt Martin. I believe those are the only three guys who left. Um, but we'll we'll talk about it, all three anyways. But um, w- what do you think will have the most impact of those three losses? Well, first off, you forgot uh, the world's class defender Brian Street who went to Oh, yeah. <laughs> how could I have forgotten? <laughs> but now, um. I think, I think this uh, I think this is kind of consensus from what I've seen. I think Nielsen's going to be the biggest impact that's like okay. missing, because Nielsen was instrumental on the penalty kill. He was great on the power play. He was just a solid all around uh, number two center behind Tavares on that team. And Martin is Martin's replaceable. He's just a fourth liner. He hits. Camara's more than a suitable upgrade for that. And. Akposo, I would never was really too crazy about because he seemed to like kind of like disappear in those like cr- crucial situations when like the game is on the line and he would just do the same move over and over again where he just turn the puck over at the offensive zone like entry line and then just skate his way back very casually and then give up a great chance. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I wasn't too thrilled with the. Uh the Sabres picking him up for the sa- about the same amount as Lad, but I guess yeah. it's I don't know. I feel like Ocposo may be a better player than Lad is though. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll point, see. Point production wise, Lad's been in the league longer and he's won a couple of Stanley Cups. And I think it I think it comes down to leadership because I see Andrew Lad as a bit more of a leader than Kyle Ocposo is, and I think. Bringing Andrew Ladd in, maybe it kind of takes the pressure off of Tavares a little bit, in a sense. Yeah, kind of. It's just, I'm not too sad that Akposo's gone, because I've, I don't remember where, but I was reading reports that he wasn't exactly happy, like, popular in the locker room. Oh. Like, 
I've heard issues like he has is, he had like issues and kind of like complained and the Islanders weren't too keen on bringing him back because of that. But Lyatt's definitely going to be a leader. I think he's a better because like Tavares, I think he's a good captain. The yeah. issue is he's not like that old, and I think that having mm-hmm. a veteran presence like Lad will be very helpful to like yeah. the younger guys that come up. Yeah, you, you need a good supporting cast around you. That definitely helps. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, Tavares is only 25, which is kind of crazy because he's been in the league forever. Yeah. Um, but I think, uh, I think he's he's due for a new contract, isn't he? Uh, he uh, has he's soon, UFA soon. in 2018. So uh, yeah. there you go. Um, his, his current his current deal is yeah. an absolute steal. Yeah, it's true. 5.5 per year. And you yeah. also uh, consider the fact that, you know, with a couple of big signings in the league uh, this mm-hmm. week, um, he's basically the big fish now for next year. Well, well, he's not going to be a free agent next year. But, yeah, you're, well, you're right. Yeah, assuming it gets to that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm sure Toronto's now going to be trying to get him yeah. the well, yeah, I mean, it's another Toronto person, so yeah. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, you mentioned the other center, uh, Franz Nielsen. Uh, he got 5.25 for six, I think. For six, six years, years yeah. yeah, in Detroit. Um, I didn't realize, I thought he was a little younger, but I guess he's 32 years old. He's 32, yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you mentioned that he's like a good two way forward. So I guess he's going to be replacing, uh, Pavel Datsuk on yeah. that team. But, um, do you think like, who do you think is going to like, I know that we didn't prepare you for this, but who do you think is going to like replace him, um, on the Islanders team? Oh God, that's going to be a tough question to ask because I'm trying, cause with the, with the center depth, I think only... Tavares is confirmed that Juan Well, you have, you have Grabowski, Ryan Strom, who's an RFA. You have Strom, Nelson, Grabowski. Oh, yeah, Nelson, uh, that's true. I think Lee played center, too, and you have yeah. Zekas, but that's five players. <laughs> I honestly don't see... I think Zekas is going to find a home on the third line. Okay. Well, they paid him enough to be, like, a second-line yeah. guy. I don't know. I don't think second. I think third. Okay. I'm... If I had to predict, I'm going to say Brock Nelson gets the second line center. Okay. Because I think they would give it to Grabowski, but Grabowski's been just concussed these past two seasons and hasn't been exactly healthy for them and right. has a terrible deal himself. And, and Brock Nelson's kind of evolved his game a little bit, too. I think we saw signs of it last year as well. Yeah. Yeah, he seems to be like a guy where he can hit like 25, 30 goals a season, but I think consistency is his major issue right now. And I think that's less on him, that's more just. Capuano being a terrible coach, <laughs> and like, I don't think I think honestly with Capuano there, the Islanders not getting past the second round of the playoffs like ever. Wow. Yeah, he, he's got uh, he got twenty goals in 2014, 2015, and uh, this past year he got twenty six goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think he can easily. I think he can hit thirty. It's just like, yeah, he's got to be a little more consistent because they'll score like ten goals in like two weeks and then just kind of disappear for the next month and a half. So. Yeah. It's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so another addition you guys got was uh, P.A. Parento. I don't think you got him around the last time we uh, had an episode. but So you guys got P.A. Parento. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, I guess we missed talking about Matt Martin, but uh, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. He's, not, he's not too noteworthy. 
Yeah, I mean, you guys did have a good fourth line, but yeah. um, it's I broken up. Matt Martin's success, do you think, was because of Cal Clutterbuck? Uh, almost all of it, honestly. I Matt Martin is not a good player. Like, I don't think so, like, honestly, at all. You think just, he's do you think he's a bit overrated for what Toronto's paying him right now? Oh, that's like the new Tanner Glass contract, so, yeah. <laughs> the four years, $2.5 million, he can honestly have that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, I think it was smart the Islanders didn't pay that, but yeah. I mean, he may be a good veteran presence for the uh, the yeah. Toronto team and be like a bodyguard kind of yeah, player. The but Islanders were kind of like kind of pushing him out the door too. It seemed like, but I think I think he'll do good. He'll do well in Toronto, if not like presence on the fourth line, just the veteran leadership yeah. for the new guys coming up because they're gonna have a lot of them. But yeah. uh, leading the league in hits like he did for the Islanders for so long, you you, you think that's far behind him now? I think the hit, the hits were nice because they did provide a lot of energy to the team. But, but Cal Clutterbuck does that too. Yeah. You have Clutterbuck, Zekas, and now you still have Camara to hit yeah. as well. But yeah. unlike yeah. Martin, Camara actually has offensive upside. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't I didn't put Camara uh, in here, but I guess <laughs> you expect yeah. him to be the hit the person to replace Matt Martin here. Yeah. Well, until he retires, until he's he retires. also getting up in age. Yeah, yeah he's, he's thirty-seven. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so uh, so what do you expect of uh, Parento? Do you think, like, second liner, third liner? Uh, I think Parento's going to start on Tavares' wing. I okay, think. so first Because, like, they, they, do have, they do have chemistry with each other from the previous time Parento was an Islander. And I think, like, it's... Honestly, I'm gonna, I think, like, Parento could be, like, a 50-point season. Like, because you're playing with Tavares, that obviously helps, but I think Parento right. is like, a good enough player on his own where he can get, like, 50 points, like, probably 20 goals, 30 assists. Well, yeah, and he, and he got twenty with the Leafs last year. And yeah, the Leafs yeah. weren't that good. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, like I think it was like forty points with the Leafs. Yeah, and <laughs> if you're going from the Leafs from to, to like going from like I think it was like who was he who was he playing with like what center like exactly and, yeah. and some of his best years were with were, were with the Islanders. In fact, his last yeah. year with the Islanders was the best one to, on date. Still is. Yeah, so if he's going from like whoever he was playing with Toronto to going back to playing with John Tavares, who's one of the best playmakers in the league right now, I think he's going to do quite well. That's forgot. That's right. I forgot, and uh, he w- used to be on the Islanders. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, we already talked about this Zika deal, but I guess I guess with the money he's being paid now, and with Matt Martin gone, I guess he'll he'll be on like the third line now. Yeah. Um, so I guess the fourth line is about to be broken up again, but um, yeah. I guess that's fine. Um, yeah. uh, ha- are you happy with, uh, speaking of the draft, let's see, um, are you happy with the Kiefer Bellows pick? Honestly, I'm. from what I can understand, he seems like a really, really talented player. Uh, honestly, I, before the draft, I've never heard of it. I never heard of Bellows before, but yeah. I was looking at, like, scouting reports on him, like, watching a couple, like, I think I have a couple of videos of him. He seems like a solid, solid player, good scorer, and hoping to see him on the team in a few years. So, yeah, I was I was actually hoping the Bruins would pick him, but I understand why the Bruins would take a, a defenseman there. But um, but if they had to pick a winger, I wanted them to get Phillips just because he was going to be you, um, and he was going to be yeah. there. But. Um, yeah, he looks like he's going to be a good pick. Um, who knows how long he'll be in the system. But um, speaking of prospects that in your system currently, uh, where do you think uh, do you think we'll see 
Josh hosting, uh, Barz- Math Barzell, or uh, is it Michael Del Cole? Yeah, Michael, Michael Um, this season, um, if you know, those are I think those are your three big prospects. Yeah, those are um, the three. Um, do you think we'll see any of them? Uh, from what I can understand, from what uh, Arthur Staple has released from like the Islanders, uh, Barzal is looking like a favorite to make the team. Okay. And they said, I think I don't quote me on this, but I think you said something <laughs> like playing on the first line with JT. So. That could be interesting to see with Barzal. Yeah. But I was saying in Dalcole, I think he said more than likely they're going to start in Bridgeport. And if they do, like, do well from there and, like, the Islanders need them, they can call them up as the season goes to see how they're kind of developing for really? the NHL. Well, think, yeah, that is, that's interesting because Dalcole and Hossein are both yeah um, older than Barzal, yeah. but I guess... Well, I, well, I think Barzal was supposed to be, was projected, like, like top, like top ten, but then he had like a leg injury. So yeah, fell. don't remind me on the Bruins passing up on him. But three yeah, um, three times. Yeah, got him, got him for Griffin Reinhardt. So yeah, that's looking like a steal. But I think I honestly think I, I think we see about Barzell first, and then Jose then Dalcoli. Okay, because Dalcoli's like, I think he's projected test kind of like more of like a more of like a sniper kind of a player, while Hosein can do that. But I think he's a little, a little bit more two way than. And I think that's okay. going to translate a little bit there to the NHL. So See, I think it- the thing with Josh was saying is he's got all the talent in the world to make a splash in the NHL, but his character. I just yeah. hear all, all these stories about the character issues. And if he's not careful, he could be the next Evander Kane. Like, that that guy with so much talent, you know, he could have been this, he could have been that, but his character just mm-hmm. slowed him down. And the, here's the good news with Josh was saying. He's got time to fix all that. Evander yep. Kane doesn't have much time left. So yeah. I, I think when I look at mainstay players, I look at guys like Dal Cole and Barzell uh, in the moment right now, mm-hmm. having more of a future with this team than Hossein does. Not not to knock on Josh yeah. Hossein. He's a talented player. But yeah. his character really sticks out in the worst of ways. Yeah, from what it sounds like, it sounds like he's uh, he's trying to fix that too. Like, mm-hmm. right. I, think he, I think he was upset like last year when he – Missed that go. alarm clock or whatever, yeah. yeah. And then it was just told, look, pretty much, like, go home. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think the Islanders needed to do that, to, like, get an early wake-up call. Like, that's not going to fly in this league. Yeah, yeah. To, to be fair, I think Jonathan Juwan also missed uh, an alarm clock. Yeah. Something <laughs> like that, so. um And, uh, like, look, if you watch the playoffs, that's what, uh, you know, Juwan did pretty well. So, um yeah, there's that. I, I just I was just looking at the general fanger page and they have the ages here. So uh, Dal Cole and is it Dal Cole or Dal Cole? I guess no, Dal Cole. Dal Cole. Is it Dal Cole? Dal Cole. My bad. It's fine. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, so Dal Cole and uh, Hosang are both 20 years old, and Barzell is 19. Yep. Um, there's yeah. another prospect, um, a defenseman that uh, I'm interested to see. I'm not quite sure if he has a role in this team in the future. Mitchell Van Assemble, a defenseman. Um, the Oshawa Generals, and they won the Memorial Cup in 2014-2015. Um, in his first year, he got 20 points in 47 games. Then he got 63 in 58. And this past year, he got 38 points in 46 games with the Generals in his third year. So I, I, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see... What he provides, uh, if he has a future with the team as well. 
Oh, I mean, he's only five foot ten, but uh, huh. he, he can put points on the board. Yeah. I think I think with Van de Sample, because I've actually been following this guy for like a decent bit in the Islanders system since like he got drafted because I really like this dude. I think that what's going to happen with him is like I think him kind of as like a Dan Boyle type player, like offensive defenseman, but like on the smaller side. Mm-hmm. But really, with him, I think obviously not like. I think in a couple years we might get a chance to see him because I don't honestly see Boychuk sticking around for too much longer. So that's going to open up a defensive uh, slot in the roster. And then it's going to be like Letty, Hamannick, Dahan. Then you have like Pollock and then like Mayfield and Pollach. But there's more options available. And I think that Ben Suffolk could get a serious look in like two or three years on the line. Um, Yeah. I guess we'll, we'll wait and see. Uh, yeah. We're all speculating here. Speaking of speculation, yeah. uh, you have any predictions for the Islanders this season? How do you think they'll do? Uh, I think it's going to be kind of a similar season to last year, assuming... Well, I shouldn't say that right away. Uh, <laughs> I think I think they have the potential to have a season like last year, but it's banking on a lot of like what-ifs right now. Like, what if Vlad isn't as good as he used to be, like, what if Grice can't replicate the same success he had as starter? Like, yeah. what if the team can't stay healthy? Like, they had a lot of issues last year with that. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking, like, if, if all this, like, what does pan out? Like, Vlad is, like, a 16-point guy. Grice has, like, elite starter numbers. And I think they can make a decent run in the playoffs, like, second, third round. I don't see this team winning the Cup just yet, but I think that they can make some, make some noise in the playoffs. Another key, another key thing that a lot of people um, probably maybe won't remember, but I certainly remember, is you look at the Columbus Blue Jackets making all those moves last offseason. Everyone thought they were going to be the team to watch, and they weren't. If, if they have a bounce-back season, I think that's the one thing that could really hurt the Islanders. Yeah, I, the Islanders did benefit a lot last year from, like, kind of a weaker division, like Hurricanes, like, kind of Hurricanes... Devils, like Blue Jackets, all kind of like fizzled out, and the Flyers, Flyers only made like noise like towards the end of the season, if I yeah. remember. But it's just like they benefited from having a down year in a pretty strong division with the NHL. But I honestly think that that division could potentially like, like I think they could make like chance like wild card or even miss depending on how well the league does. Like, yeah, I feel like the Eastern Conference is, like, um, is not as great. Um, there's yeah. not really, like, a strong team other than the Penguins and the Capitals. So, um, I think... And, and, and the I Rangers think the, are kind of weakened a little bit. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I think, the, I think the Rangers are on a really rapid decline. Yeah. And, because I think they, because they they're about to into the area area where they need to do, like, a pretty much a full-on rebuild. Yeah. yeah. And they don't have picks or yeah. prospects, so... They're, st- they're still in that mindset of, like, oh, we're one piece away from, like... Yeah. This, like, like... But they're not. They're, like, five pieces away. Yeah. I think it was, like, yeah. my... I think it was, like, some, someone I knew made a joke. They're, like, oh, yeah, the Rangers are, like, one piece away. They're gonna trade for uh, Zidane Chara. But it's, like... <laughs> it's, like... if the, Yeah, like, they always say they're one piece away, but it's just, like... They're like not. I don't think they're going to be. I think they're going to fall to wild card this year. Well, it depends who 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 uh, who they send back for Zidane Ojara. 
Okay. <laughs> Never mind then. Um, and um, yeah, so then predictions for the rest of the league or? Uh, honestly, with the, I think with the league right now, I think the I think pretty much Pittsburgh's obviously the favorite to repeat, and I think they can. But I I'm gonna say that I think the Sharks can make another ser- serious cup run yeah. this year because you, you still have Joe Thornton being like one of the best players in the league. Yeah, like at like. Was he f- almost 40 now? Is he 40? He's 30. Let me check. I think he's 39. Yeah. Uh, um, I, honestly, I think... I think so. I think this could also potentially be the year that... He's 37. Is. Sorry. 37. 37. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I think, I think my prediction... I think Pittsburgh's going to repeat because that okay. team is just beyond stacked. Yep. And, like, say they trade one of Flurry or... Uh, say, say they trade Flurry like, for the deadline... And they get like a they can get like a really nice return for him yeah. to make that into another cup contending team. So I think I think unfortunately I think Pittsburgh has the best chance to bring it home this year. Now uh, you were about to say something about uh, Detroit. I think it was. I think I think this is the year. Like I think Detroit could miss the playoffs. It's like oh, really? we see this every year. I feel like <laughs> like maybe they'll miss the playoffs, but I, 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 this is the first time I'm saying it. So. Uh, <laughs> I think the yeah. thing with that, the thing with Detroit though, it's like losing that team's gonna be huge. Like, because like I don't Nielsen is not as offensively gifted as that team was, but it's like I think that's gonna hurt them. I think, and I just think like the team's getting to the point where, like the defense is kind of aging. Like Cronwall is getting older. Zetterberg's getting, getting older, although he's not Zetterberg. defense, but he's yeah, a big part of their team. Zetterberg's getting older. Uh, they have Brad Richards, who's also getting older, and. Mike Green, I, who they signed uh, to a contract last offseason, hasn't really played up to the kind of money they're paying him. Yeah, I point. I think that I think that they're like wild card at best, but I could see yeah. them realistically missing this year. Um, Do you think it's safe to say the one shoe in is that the Capitals are going to uh, win the Metropolitan because they certainly look like the favorites on paper? I don't think I think I think the Metro is a toss up between Pittsburgh and Washington this year. Okay, I you think like, Pittsburgh is a shot? Yeah, I think both teams are incredibly stacked. They both have insane offenses, like Crosby, Malkin, Kessel, and then you have, like, Kuznetsov, Ovechkin, Backstrom. Like, I think it's just going to be, like, a slugfest between those two. And then, like, other teams like the Islanders, the Flyers, like, yeah. maybe the Rangers. are going to be just, like, quietly fighting for that third spot amongst yeah. each other. Everyone's focusing on Crosby versus Ovechkin yet again. Um, all right, I guess that's it. Um... I don't think there's a... Oh, the other question. You didn't mention Thomas Grease. I forgot that he's now the starter over Halleck, but um, do you like that move, or...? Uh, honestly, I'm a little bit unsure on that, too, similar to, like, Andrew Ladd, because Grease had a, kind of a small sample size last year. Right. Because he only really got the gig once Halleck, like, went down. Yeah. But I honestly have full confidence in Grease, though, but if he falters, like... Like out of the gate and realize like okay he's not like a true number one starter then they can kind of platoon them like Halak and Grice kind of like what Dallas does with Wetton and Niemi just like unlike Dallas to be actually have two good goalies but <laughs> I, I yeah. think Thomas Grice is gonna see a increased role on the team like more playing time I but I think he's at best I think might get thirty to forty games but I I doubt they lean on him that much because. 
I, I certainly think they're going to give him a longer look at training camp, but yeah. if Halak has a really good training camp, I think he's still the guy in Long Island. Ultimately, yeah. I think I was hearing room. I'm been hearing like Halak might be trade bait, but I don't exactly know yeah. to who. Because it's like, I don't know many teams that need a starter anymore because Calgary got Elliott, so. Yeah, well, the Blues now need, like, a second goalie, but, yeah. Well, they, they, they have and the Ducks for the time being, that's their second goalie. Yeah, but, like, the Ducks um, now need a, now that they have Bernier, I don't know if. Yeah, Halak's uh, probably better than Bernier. So uh, I think I think Halak, I think most goalies are better than Bernier. Yeah, that's that's true. Probably, um, in all likelihood, he probably goes to Vegas in the expansion draft. Or that too. Yeah, yeah that's possible. Although he's thirty-one years old, so and yeah. he is. Yeah, I guess he could do it. I don't they know. have a couple injuries, so I think Halak's still a good goalie. It's just like he's getting past his prime to a certain point. Yeah, I just think he's a good starter. It's just he's not like the same Halak he was when. He basically like won the series versus the Capitals back in right. Montreal. So I, I, I still think it's a, a good idea to keep him around because un, unless you're really getting like a solid candidate to replace him, and not saying Thomas Grice can't do that, but if you're not getting a solid option going the other way, I'm not even thinking yeah. of trading a lack because I look at the the, the boys in the in the Islanders system. I don't think any of them are ready to really go in there and make a statement. Yeah, because it's like. Say like say Grice falters out of the gate, like he can't handle being like a number one starter as well, and you trade away Halak, then you're left with Grice and Jean Francois Barube, who he's not a bad backup, but obviously it's like if you're gonna be forced to rely on him in kind of like more of like a higher role, you're asking for a bad time. Yeah, so, Christopher Gibson is another prospect, right? Uh yeah, Gibson was one of like, Gibson was like a, kind of like one of those people that you got in like the F- Michael Grabner trade. Okay, and. Honestly, he just seems like another like back, like kind of like a perennial backup, like AHL starter. But can't really complain with that because they got rid of Gardner's contract, which is kind of bad for them, but they were paying him. So I'm actually excited. I'm more excited though for um. I don't think he's gonna. I think he's coming over for a couple of years from now. Uh, Ilya Sorokin. Sorokin. Yeah. He's the goalie down is drafted. Who's currently in the KHL? Who's been looking pretty phenomenal and. Actually, seems like he wants to play for the team, so I'm excited okay. for that because I want to have two good goalie prospects. So, all right. Um, so uh, yeah, I guess we'll uh, look forward to that. Um, thanks for uh, doing this. Um, yeah, thanks for your time, Brian. I really appreciate. It. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be on. Yeah, thank you. Right. Have a good day. You too. And here we have Josh Greenwald. Um, I guess he's gonna introduce himself right now. Hey guys, um, like you said, my name is Josh. Um, I previously was a managing editor for UHN Ultimate Hockey Network, yep. and did a lot of writing there for initially the Buffalo Sabers, but then I transitioned to my true love, the Montreal Canadiens. That's cool. I didn't wait. You you wrote for the Sabers in our in UHN? I didn't realize yeah. that. Huh? At the very, very beginning, I probably did about six months of coverage for the Sabres. Wow. Yeah, I guess that was before I got on. I don't know if it was before Steve got on. I think Steve was before me, but... Yeah, a, a, a little a little bit. I'm, I know for sure he's an avid Canadian follower. The Sabres, yeah, yeah, I knew I, that. I, I recall something about that. Um, all right, I guess we'll just get to it with these questions. Um... 
So, uh, I guess the big news from Habs land is still P.K. Subban uh, leaving and then insert a Shea Weber. So, are you happy, sad, angry about this Subban-Weber trade? Since the initial shock of the trade has worn off of it, I'm a little more even-headed about it, but I was devastated when I first heard the news, and... I still think Montreal lost the trade, and um, it's going to take a long time to get over this for me, and I assume a lot of Habs fans out there. Yeah, I think that that's fair. As like a Bruins fan, I'm happy about this trade, but um, I think it's it's still like it's kind of crazy to think that they would even think of trading him. So why why do you think they would trade PK? Um. I think it really just comes down to a personality issue because it's really hard to make the argument that you traded for the long-term stability of your team when you trade for Weber, who is without a doubt like top five best defenseman in the league and maybe a better all-round defenseman than PK, it's arguable. Um, but I mean, you trade for a guy that's three or four years older, got four years longer term on his deal, and... It's hard to say why that trade is uh, for anything other than personal issues with the Canadians and against PK. Huh. Yeah, it's, I, it's, it's interesting yeah. because, like, uh, on PK's character. I mean, I was listening to like this two-part interview uh, that Sportsnet did with PK uh, earlier in the week, and and I and I hear Mark Bergeron's comments about you know guys that go home like after a loss that they really feel it, and PK's. PK was like, you know, it's it's one game, you know, it's an A2 game grind, it's not a sprint to the finish, it's a marathon, and you can't be so caught up in the moment and let that affect you, you know, tomorrow's a new day kind of thing. And and at the same time, I, I get both sides of, of the coin there, but I, I'm not sure what more to the story there is other than, you know, how PK handles a loss. But at the end of the day, you know, yes, Shea Weber is a better all-around defenseman, I would think, than PK is right now, but... He's, He's also Subban's older. Subban's got that flash and dash personality, and he really connects with the fans. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't know if I can speak for you, Josh, but I would think a lot of people, a lot of the younger kids in Montreal, probably really started watching the Montreal Canadiens because of P.K. Subban. I know. I, I think you're right, Steve. And also, I mean, we're looking at a situation where a player might have been traded both because of and for his intangibles. We, fans are so upset because not only is he a great player, but we're losing a dynamic personality, uh, a really important member of the Montreal community, which are things off the ice. And then all this talk, all the rumors surrounding the trade is that Bergevin and co traded him for issues off the ice in the locker room as well. None of which really addresses the fact that he's a great player on the ice in his prime and only going to get better for the next two or three years. Yeah. And you, and you, you look at Patrick Watt too. I mean, the, that whole situation where Trombley, Mario Trombley, the coach at the time, tried to teach him a lesson and, and, and keep him in that Detroit game. That obviously didn't work, got traded the next day. And the Canadians were never the same team after that. And you're hoping, if you're Montreal, that this isn't a part two to that because they, they didn't, they they never really recovered from that Patrick Watt trade for you. And, and it took them a while just to get past it. And that period, um, I guess in the late 90s and early 2000s, that kind of was the aftermath of that trade, was some of the lowest points ever in the Canadian's history. Yeah, that's interesting. Apparently, the uh, 
I'm, I don't know if you've heard it, but I assume you have, actually. The the Habs terminated their uh, analytics guy, uh, Pfeiffer, apparently because he uh, he uh, strongly opposed the Subban trade, um, which is kind of an interesting move. I mean, considering the moves that the Habs made where they're trying, like with uh, getting Andrew Shaw and Shea Weber, um they're, you know, they're trying, you can see what they're trying to do and trying to get tougher, but it is interesting in terms of nowadays when you look at like the Penguins and the Sharks, who are both very speedy teams and they both, you know, went into the Stanley Cup finals. Um, I think this like league is more into speed than it is in like toughness. Um, exactly. And, so, and I, I had also yeah. heard um, that issue with the analytics guy as well, Brett. I don't yeah. know if there's a direct line between him disagreeing and him being fired, but just further more optics. Well, yeah, it's I guess it's speculation, but yeah, I don't know if it, like you can draw the yeah. line to begin with, but it's just you know I have a, a good friend. Um, we've both been Habs fans our whole lives. Probably our our love of the Canadians grew up together when we were just like eight or nine years old, yep. and for the longest time we've both been you know. Bergevin, we trust. We'll trust him no matter what he does. <laughs> and I think that you're really seeing a break in Habs fans now where there's still a small minority that trusts Bergevin no matter what. And then I put myself in this latter group that Bergevin is not doing anything anymore to win the, the, the trust of his fans. Yeah, He's making poor moves. There's, I don't know, it's a, it's a real schism now where we had almost blind faith in our general manager, something that was similar to the Bob Gini era. And now there's questions coming up. Yeah. Um, so I I said with losing Subban and Eller here in our question, and then I realized that Lars Eller isn't a defenseman. But anyways, the game, you guys are gaining Weber. How do you think the defense is going to do? This is also assuming that Carey Price is coming back too. So I guess you'll gain Carey Price. Um, how do you think the defense is going to do? I think we're going to hold up. You know, fairly well with as like you said, a, a healthy price is pretty yeah. important there. Um, Weber's a little slower than well, not a little more than a little slower than uh, PK, but he can still move the puck. He can, he'll arguably get more uh, goals in PK like he has the last couple of years. Um, another year older for Boyer, um, which is great. Another year older for Markov, not so great. Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting how how it works out. I think ultimately our D will be okay. Um, but it's just all the externals that are going to yeah. really make this a, an interesting season to watch as a fan. Yeah, you also have to think about how Shea Weber is, like, you know, is only getting older. Like, yeah, he's a good defenseman now, but who knows um, if he can maintain that uh, now. Um, although I guess he'll be even more of a veteran presence to the locker room there for Montreal. Um yeah. And his um and his heavy physicality play is not going to give him the longevity that a lot of other exactly. guys are going to enjoy until the mid thirties. Yeah. Um, I think Steve, were you going to say something? Or? Uh, well, I, I'm I'm just curious as to at what point like could we see a guy like Mikhail Sergachev? Because now there's yeah. an opening with with PK Subban gone. Um, I I um. This is a good opportunity as well to see what kind of leadership capability Shea Weber has because this is arguably your defenseman of the future coming through, and you draft him at a pretty good position. The fact that he was 
on the board when the Canadians select him ninth overall is, is astonishing. I thought he would have gone a lot sooner, but the fact that he's there and and now he's in their system and they sign him to an entry level deal. Um, I don't know if he's going to play this year, but I would think next year, especially with Markov probably going to retire in the next couple of years. Sergachev is they're they're probably going to want to get him some reps before they really put him into a full time role. Uh, yeah, I think you're right, Steve. Um, I was really happy to get him at ninth. Um, I had kind of had my more realistically, I was expecting we'd probably get Jake Bean, who is also also another sizable defenseman. Um, I didn't really like the look of the the forwards at the last single digits of the draft. Guys like Nylander and Keller looked interesting, but I wasn't willing to use such a high draft pick. So getting Sergachev is great. The guy is huge, six foot three. He's over two hundred pounds. Um, I I think you're right. I don't think we'll be seeing him next year, but in two seasons. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be really nice to see a big guy like that. He's a two way player. He's mobile. I mean, huge points with the Windsor Spitfires last year. Hopefully, we can see some nice development out of him in the next eighteen months or so. Yeah, it is astonishing that you guys got him that far. Um, speaking of other additions, you guys got uh, you guys got Andrew Shaw and Alex Radulov. Radulov was an interesting move considering you got. They traded Subban away for off-ice issues, and then you know you pick up a guy like Radulov, who um, who's mainly known for all his off-ice issues. Yeah, so, and they're documented yeah. too. They know exactly what happened. We don't know what happened um, with PK. We know what happened right. with Radulov. However, yeah, you're going. <laughs> and not only were those past um, personality issues well documented, they were also his. His partner in crime during that Nashville playoff series was an ex-Montreal draft pick, uh, Andre Kuznitsin, too. So it's just this this cycle for Montreal that really furthers the poor optics where you trade Subban for what everyone either knows or assumes to know is character or personality issues, and then you bring in a guy like Radulov. It just looked really bad. Yeah, I guess they're looking at his... Career numbers and you know and his his career in the in the QMJHL as as well and you know you think yeah he's a talented player, Al, so was Alex Seven when they brought him in but yeah. it, that experiment just didn't work out yeah. and the fact that they're trying to bring in you know a, a Russian with proven scoring talent um, at this time at a higher price you know it thankfully it's only a one year deal but they're paying Radulov more than they did Alex Seven and he didn't even last half a season there. So how how short of a leash is Radulov going to have to prove himself? And I would think that's a relatively long one, considering the money they're going to pay him. Well, first off, I, I liked the seven deal when it went down last year. That was a perfect example of a extremely low risk and kind low of low risk, seal- high reward. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, we never saw any of that reward. But I mean, for a one year, one million dollar deal, which is what I believe Seven got last year, you couldn't really complain about that. With the Radulov deal happening so it's closely, five point seven five. What's that, Steve? It's, it's uh, five point seven five million just in, for Radulov. Okay. Yeah, for Radulov. Sorry, go on. I didn't mean so, to cut you off there. Well, that's okay. Um, yeah. So with Radulov now, I don't know. Like now that the sting of the Subban trade's over, we can look at the Radulov signing a little more objectively, and you can see that may went out and addressed the issue of getting some top six talent on the right side, which is what Radulov can bring to the team. Yeah, it's interesting. I uh, I think I was reading like a report that Shea Weber 
was because uh, he played with Radulov when they exactly. were in Nashville. Uh-huh. And Shea Weber said that, yeah, he thinks, like, like the issues weren't as big of a deal or something like that. Or um, he he took issue, like, he uh, he thinks he settled it with Radulov. So I think, like, Shea Weber had a huge influence on, on this um, move. Um, it's still, um, like, I think he said that, yeah, it seems like he changed or, you know, it's okay if you guys get him because I didn't have a problem with him. Although I thought he did, though, but... Who knows? Um, yeah, and so uh, do you want to talk about, um, let's talk about the other deal, um, Andrew Shaw, um, you know, who's, I guess, on the other end of the cycle, who's, you know, has won the Cup three times. Um, I think he won it twice. He won it twice. Oh, I thought yeah, he was on he was the 2010 team. the first one. He was around for the second and the third, though. Okay, I thought he was around for the 2010 team. but he No, I don't right, think actually. he was. Yeah, apparently he's 24 years old, uh, 3.9 million for six years. So, yeah, it's not a bad I, deal. He played, in the, he played in the 2011 Memorial Cup, so yep. there's no way he was on the 2010 Hawks team. Okay, <laughs> so I, I was wrong on that. Um, yeah, so he, what do you think? He still he still comes to Montreal with two Stanley Cup rings. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's still yeah, exactly. Uh, so, what do you think of the Andrew Shaw deal? I think it's hard to look at that deal without analyzing two players that have left in the last couple of months. So you've got Eller, who was traded just yep. prior to that deal, and also losing Dale Weiss, who, Thank you. who's in a similar role to Shaw. But if we break this down, I think that you look at Weiss and Eller, who are both 27. Weiss was signed by Philly to a four-year deal, $2.35 million, and Eller's got two years left on his uh, $3.5 million annual hit. And then Shaw comes in with more term and more salary than both of those guys. So that's a question mark for me. I think that Shaw got too much term and too much um, too much term and too much value on that contract, especially when he was a restricted free agent and Bergeron is supposed to have all the leverage in that deal. So that's another question mark for me. Yeah. I mean, all the all the pro Bergeron pundits are saying this is great because the coup is that he's able to get a. Uh, this deal signed without uh, offering Shaw a no move or no trade clause, but I mean the guy's twenty four. He's a restricted free agent. He's not supposed to be driving the the bus in terms of these negotiations. Yeah, and he's. I think a lot of like his goals were you know were helped by the fact by his line mates, not um, in the Blackhawks system. It's not necessarily that he can create his own chances, kind of thing. But for yeah. sure. But exactly, it, and, and that's kind of what I alluded to. I've yeah. alluded to this, uh, Josh, in previous uh, episodes of Lace Em Up podcast. Is how is Andrew Shaw? In what way is he better than Dale Weiss? I mean, Dale Weiss scores big playoff goals. He can hit. He's he's, he's a good a third, fourth line solid guy, and he just went to Chicago. So he's not the, a center. The, the, fact that, the fact that they're getting Andrew Shaw, and and they just traded away Dale Weiss months before, like. Why'd you even trade Dale Weiss if you're getting Andrew Shaw? I, 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 don't, I don't see it, other than the fact he might have some offensive upside and the fact he has two Stanley Cups. He played on the Chicago Blackhawks. But you know how good the Chicago Blackhawks are. You know what players they yeah. have, and you know what players Montreal doesn't have that the Chicago Blackhawks do have. And I think those two Stanley Cups, that's what Andrew Shaw provides that Dale Weiss unfortunately could He had two Cups. 
Yeah, but to be to be fair, Andrew Shaw is 24 years old, so he could get better. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's one of those wait and see things. So 3.9. Yeah. I thought it was more for some reason, but 3.9 million isn't too bad. It yeah, is it's not kind too. of. Um, but like the long term is kind of a, um, a like a, a bit too. Yeah, long. a little bit of a warning sign there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think your comparison to Weiss is uh, is really accurate. Although um, Shaw, yeah, well. sure, he scored a lot of his points playing alongside Marion Hosa and and Taves, but Weiss played a lot of those minutes last year um, with Pacioretty as well. So, okay. so Weiss was able to move up a, in the lineup quite a bit with Gallagher's injury and a real lack of scoring presence along the right side for Montreal. So he kind of got slotted up into the top six in a way that I don't think he did in Chicago during that playoff run, and I don't think he's going to get those opportunities as much in Philly. Shaw's got a little bit more of a two-way game. He's a little bit more defensively responsible in his own zone than Weiss was. I noticed that in the later in the later moments of a Habs game, you weren't going to see Dale Weiss on the ice as much. So okay. Shaw's a bit more responsible in that way. Um, so I give the nod to Shaw there. But yeah, his numbers are not going to... I mean, you're going from a team where you played with Taves to playing with... Uh, Thomas Placanics and your mm-hmm. numbers are going to hurt. Sure. Um, so, any predictions for the Habs this season? I think we're going to see a bounce back year for them. They're going to yep. make the playoffs, but then ultimately get crushed in the in those playoffs by likely Tampa Bay. Oh, interesting prediction, I guess. Um, uh, and, uh, just going yeah. a bit further, do you think they're going to be, or do you think they're going to? Find the form that they were at when they made that uh, deep playoff run a couple of years ago. Do you think? Do you think you're going to see that Montreal Canadiens team, or at least glimpses of it moving forward, or are, are those times um, gone for at least the next couple of years? I don't think those those times are gone yet. I think the the opportunity for those times that window has really shortened. We're not looking at this team being a contender for five plus years anymore. We're looking at two or three years now that we've got peak price, now that we've got Pacioretty on a reason on a still extremely reasonable contract. Um, if we can get top value from Galchenyuk and Gallagher stays healthy, maybe Sherbuck cracks the lineup who was our, our first round pick two years ago. There is some potential to see this team succeed, but I just don't know how much longer we can expect that once we see Weber start to decline in two or three years. Okay. Um, yeah, and any other predictions in the NHL? or? I think we're going to see... This is The Florida Panthers era is just beginning. Oh, interesting. So, so you have the Canadians losing to the Lightning. So I assume either... So do you have that as the 2-3 matchup? Or the Panthers will be the one seed, I guess? I see Panthers as one, and then they'll play, I guess, the, with the way, way the format works, they'll be playing the wild card, and right. then you've got a 2-3 uh, Tampa-Montreal coming out of the East there. Yeah. Do you think the Panthers are going to make the Stanley Cup Finals? I don't know who's going to challenge them in the East. I don't think the Rangers have it anymore. The Islanders are getting there, but they're not, they're not there yet. Pittsburgh is going to have a lot less of a desire now that they've had that deep run in a second cup. I think um, Washington is probably going to be their biggest threat, everyone's biggest threat in the East. 
Yeah. That Tampa, I think those, I think the two Florida teams and Washington are really the only viable candidates now to come out of the East. And Pittsburgh, if they care. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, and if if Murray continues to stay hot, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Um, Their goaltending is going to be a really interesting thing to monitor over the next yeah. year. Yeah, that's I agree. Especially with this Las Vegas thing mm-hmm. uh, looming. Um, that's another, and the Tampa Bay also has to deal with that as well because they've got some stellar. Right goaltending prospects, and Bishop's going to be expensive. Yeah, we were going to talk about that in our rapid fire, but yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's it for us. Uh, thanks for ha- uh, thanks for joining us, Josh. Um, yeah, we hope, we hope yeah. to hear from you again, and uh, uh, definitely uh, as uh, the season that continues, it might uh, have you on again uh, in uh, pro- probably in the in the earlier developments and check in with you on a regular basis there because yeah. uh, I'm sure a lot of people that follow us uh, love to hear how the Habs are doing or not doing if they exactly. don't like it that much. Yeah. yeah, it was a pleasure to be on, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Right. Thank you very much. So uh, we'll do the rapid fire now. Um, we have a lot on our on our plate here, but let's let's just start it off. Uh, so Jonathan Bernier uh, to the Ducks. Um, this I guess was the. It's kind of interesting. So I guess it's like Bernier for um, Freddie Anderson, basically. Yeah. Um, because Freddie Anderson, they had, they made that trade before the draft. Uh, and for Randy Carlisle and Jonathan Bernier are back together again. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um. So it should be interesting. I. I think uh, Bernier is definitely the backup there, but yeah, um, it should be interesting. Although, wait, Bernier wasn't was Bernier the goalie with Carlisle? I feel like. Uh, uh, well, Carlisle in his final couple of years, Bernier he had that. Really I thought Reimer was half. the was the goalie. Well, he, he, I think at I some think. point Bernier kind of really took the right. reins from him, but then after, All right, after that's that. Right. Uh, after that second half collapse, Bernier really couldn't regain that form consistently. All right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought I thought he was uh, Car- also hurt during that time too. Yeah, that's right. I thought Carlisle got out after 2013, but right, that was 2014. No, no, he, yeah. he, they were actually in a wild card position. Yeah. Um, at around um, right, and then they and then and they then, um, they imploded. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 then uh, basically. Yeah. Dave Nonis called him, and it was during, I think it was, I can't remember if it was his brother-in-law's funeral or, or something like that, and he's just like, look, if if you if you have to fire me, just do it now over the phone, and, and that was that. Yeah. And after that, of course, then they got Peter Horacek in their short term, and things went south. Yeah. Um, Nathan McKinnon uh, resigned for uh, seven years, $6.3 million per year to the Avs. Um. Yeah, this is a good deal. Um, he's one of the also, best young players. Also, shed some light on Tyson Berry and what his future is. He still doesn't have a new contract. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I think that'll come shortly. Um, if yeah. they're smart. Um. Yeah. Pro- probably it'll be one of those one-year, two-year short-term deals because yeah. I, I still don't know if if they can afford to pay him long-term. Yeah, and uh, McKinnon is worth every bit of that dollar. I know 6.3 oh, yeah. is a lot. Oh, yeah, 153 but, career points to date. Yeah. played in 218 NHL He's games. probably the best young forward right now, not named McDavid. So Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Um, Jamie Benn uh, resigned for eight years, 9.5 AAV. This is going to start in the 2017-2018 year. Um, this is good, but it makes you wonder what Sagan's going to get because he may get the same amount or he may get more. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that, and 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 how crucial is that John Klingberg signing like that? Yeah. Uh, signing him at that price last year is a steal because if if they if they waited any longer, I think he'd probably be asking for a lot more. Um, yeah, but uh, I I think that John Klingberg contract really John helps him when, it to, when it comes time to re-signing Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben. You know, he's worth every penny at this point because yeah. his point holes outside the lockout, of course, have increased every year. Yeah, and for the first time this year, he scored forty plus goals, and he didn't win. Uh, and he didn't win uh, the scoring title because, of course, Patrick Kane was on another planet. So uh, the <laughs> right. fact that uh, this probably year, the first but... time he scored forty goals. And he, he did, and he won the award the year before. Yeah. Um, the, the sky's still the limit for Jamie Benn, and that's a huge signing. Yeah, I agree. Um, John Klingberg, by the way, is uh, 4.25 per year, yeah. um, in case people forgot. I had to look that up. Um, uh, he, ben, Jamie Benn's also has surgery. Um, so his recovery time is apparently six weeks, but he's likely to miss the World Cup. Um, just... Uh, Another factoid, I guess, there. Uh, Jan Schwartz, uh, going with other uh, Central Division teams. Uh, Jan Schwartz got resigned for five years, $5.35 million. This is the best contract of the offseason. Oh, for the Blues, that. absolutely. For the Blues, yes. And for, I think, like, didn't Schwartz get, like, 40 goals or something like that? Yeah, like uh, he, a lot of he goals. Got, he, in the previous two seasons, he got 56 points and 63, and 63 yeah. points, respectively. This year he only played in 33 games, but he still got 22 points, and, and he continued to produce in the playoffs. So this is a really good signing. I love yeah. it for St. Louis. Yeah, I love it, especially when they lost Brower and Bacchus. So yeah. they, get, they Which, at least get in someone. My opinion, they should have kept Bacchus, but yeah. that's we, we, we all know that. But, it, again, yeah. it, it's good to keep some of their core guys. And James exactly. Schwartz is definitely a guy that can be a face of this yeah. team. Um, it does make you wonder, though, because I guess – yeah, Shattenkirk, it leaves yeah. less money for Shattenkirk, but I I don't know. Um we'll see. Yeah, if he even gets in St. Louis. Yeah, I think they're gonna resi- I think they're gonna resign him now. I'm thinking about that because um A they put <laughs> they sold him high. Um and also because it's you know, they lost Bacchus and um Brower, so that's like they can't afford to lose Shattenkirk. Um Let's see here, what else? Um, Killhorn, this was actually just today. Alex Killhorn resigned to the Lightning for seven years, $4.45 million. Uh, the term's not bad, but the years, or the, uh, you know, the value's not bad, but the years uh, for seven years is kind of um, crazy, I feel like, because uh, he's not even in, Killhorn isn't even in their top six um, I'm not really sure I understand it, but um, yeah. yeah. And, they, and even then, he was able to get he's a 40 points guy the past couple of years, and he got 13 points in 17 playoff games during the the Lightning's recent playoff uh, yeah. during Tampa's recent playoff run. So uh, there's no question he adds more depth. But you know, you look at contracts they already have, like Ryan Callen and Steven Stamkos, who they just resigned, Victor Hedman, who they yeah. just resigned, Ben Bishop, who's a pending UFA, and probably. 
uh, might be, you know, a scapegoat of the uh, Las Vegas stuff. And they just re-signed Vasilevsky. They've yet to re-sign Druin, too. So yeah. at some point, I think that contract's really going to stink. But for now, Alex Kalorin is a valuable member of the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's yeah. good that they have him back. But just long-term, you're right, that is a concern. Um, yeah, it does make you wonder. You did mention Bishop. It does make you wonder that me. Are they going to trade Bishop? I don't think they are. If, I feel if they're like, not spin Bishop, they have to trade yeah. him. They can't let him walk. Yeiserman's been smart so far with how he's dealt with Stamkos and Drewen, but I don't know. I don't think you can tra- like Ben Bishop's like the main reason why they're so good. So I don't know. I don't think you trade him. But yeah, on the topic of Ben Bishop, by the way, Tampa got Corey Conacher back for one year, which makes yeah. all of us sense fans even more surly about that trade yeah. because it's basically Ben Bishop for Tobias Lindbergh now, who we. Traded to Toronto for Dion Phaneuf, so... Yeah, so it's basically yeah. Bishop for Phaneuf. Yeah, um, I like Phaneuf, but I also like Bishop. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think you'd rather have Bishop than Phaneuf. Yeah. Um, Mark Shifley uh, signed for eight years, $6.125 million. Um, not, um, I guess it's an interesting trade, I don't know, uh, interesting deal. Um, he is a young guy. He's one of their best young players, so um, I guess it makes sense to have him up, lock him up now. Um, I feel like he hasn't done that much, though, so I don't well, know if he... He's slightly cheaper price than McKinnon, yeah. and, and, and you look at his numbers, you know, it, it took him a while, but career-high 61 points this year, one goal mm-hmm. shy of 30 for his first 30-goal season. He had 29 this year, so a respectable... Um, Hopefully a sign of things to come for Mark Shifley and definitely good to keep him around. They also, I also like that they signed Patrick Laine to his entry-level deal yep. uh, for three years. And also uh, that includes, um, just taking a look at my notes here, uh, a $2.6 million in bonuses. And apparently he's going to use some of that money to uh, help pay his parents back. Uh, for all their hard work, that for the, all the work that uh, they've done for him over the years, which is nice. And they also got Matthew Perot signed for another four years, so. and he surpassed forty points in three straight seasons. So yeah. that's another depth signing that that's I really good, like. Yeah, if you're the Winnipeg job. Jets, and they've all and again, we remind you that there's all these players in their farm system that you probably haven't heard of that are just waiting to make some noise, yeah. and this is just the start of the Jets uprising. Um, so I guess you've taken a complete 180 on, uh, Patrick Liney, right? Yeah, it, you know what, I'm, it, the character stuff, that's still going to be a concern, but if his play, um, doesn't, if his play overshadows the character stuff, people aren't going to complain if the yeah. team is winning and he's doing well. It's like, uh, Ovechkin, like, once he started winning, he, you know, people yeah. <laughs> stopped Caring exactly. about all his cockiness. Then, then, yeah. then, he, then he gets all the respect. So. Yeah. Uh, Riley Smith, five year to the Panthers, five years, uh, five million per year. Starts in seven, 2017-2018. This was an interesting move uh, as a Bruins fan because uh, Riley Smith was really good our first the first year as a Bruin, and then he just tailed off. So I. Th- and I think his advanced uh, numbers, like his PDO, is pretty high. Um, so I think he may, I feel like the Panthers may regret this deal, but who knows? Um, 
He had a career high twenty five goals and career playoff games and eighteen playoff yeah. games. He's got thirteen points and he yeah. had a huge first round against the Islanders and I think that helped him. In this yeah, case. I I agree with that. I I just don't know if he'll be consistent because yeah, that was, that's the thing. If that he's a hot and cold player, yeah. um, then then they might regret it. Because that was the issue with uh, the Bruins uh, when he was here, but. Um, you know, yeah, exactly. If he can be consistent, then this is a good deal. But if he's not, um, then <laughs> this is going to be a regrettable contract. Uh, Justin Schultz, Pens signed him for one year, $1.4 million. That's a perfect deal. Um, just to see what he can do um, with one more year. Um, he was, I guess he was resigned again for pe- the Penguins. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, Victor, I don't know if you have anything else for that, but, uh, Victor Rask, is it Victor Rask? I feel like it is. Yeah, Victor Rask, yeah. Uh, six years, four million, um, six years is a bit much, because he's only had one good year, but, um, it's not, it's not bad, uh, for the Canes, um, he's one of their better young players, so, um, I think it's just a start to the rebuild so to say. Um, 33 and 48 points in his first two years, that's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. And he's 23 years old, so um, you have him for uh, when he's 20, you need to do quick math, 29 years old. Um, is that right? Yeah, 29. Yeah, so uh, again, a, a yeah. decent signing price, you know, if his numbers continue to go up. Exactly. Um, yeah, same with Riley Smith. Uh, Shane Doan, one year, I guess he's, uh, for the Coyotes, I guess he's not retiring, um, like I thought he would, but, um, yeah, so one year, I don't know the exact value. Five million, I believe, is what I heard, and, and you look at his numbers, 28 goals at his age to do that is pretty astonishing. Oh, it's, it's. Not too many people, unless your name is Yarmer Yager, can score 28 goals. Um, nearing the age of 40, Actually, but uh, Shane Doan has done that, and yeah. a great example for the young guys to follow, so I love it's, this signing for it's not, uh It's not $5 million. According to General Fanager, it's $3.8 million. Oh, even better. Yeah. Even better at that price, then. Um, yeah, I mean, it is interesting, though, because you have the Coyotes have Datsuk's contract, which I guess helps them bring up to the uh, cap floor. You have Shane Doan, um, Making three point eight, so I guess the, the, yeah, I guess you have well, you have Dylan Strom probably gonna come up, Max Domi, Duclair. I mean, Domi Duclair they already have yeah. yeah. Um, and so I guess they're in a rebuild mode. Um, OEL's there still, so um, yeah, <laughs> we'll he's see. he's gonna be there for. I a don't while, think you. Too. I don't think any team's gonna try to pry him out there, but. Um, George McPhee, um, is the Las Vegas GM. Then apparently they were thinking of the name, the Knights, but I guess they, um, there's like some like copyright thing with that. Probably, probably the London Knights might have something to do with that. Um, but do they have a copyright on this? I feel I'm like... not quite sure actually. Um, so anyway, so George McPhee's the LVGM that's official. But the name and the logo are still pending. Um, yeah. And, and and a spoiler alert: his first objective is to find a new coach because uh, that's isn't that pretty much the main objective of every expansion team after you get a new <laughs> GM? 
is find a coach, yeah. Well, I mean, especially with this team that doesn't even have a coach, but yeah. Yeah, but (laughs) uh, he brings up a good point that you want to get in a coach and find an identity. Uh, The coach you hire, you're going to need players that kind of fit the coaching style. Um, But again, you don't want to be too picky because if if the coaching style is, you know, nitty-gritty, I mean, you're not going to have flash and dash players on your team. True. Um, Well, I mean, yeah, it's going to, like, whoever the coach is, I guess teams will try to... Um, play to that with the expansion draft looming. Yeah, I, I think it goes without saying that Las Vegas, I think they have it better than previous expansions. Yeah, exactly. They've got a lot to work with. You know, well, let's see. They're, they're going to be in the Pacific Division, so they'll probably have to deal with the California teams, but they could probably make the playoffs their first year. Yeah, I, I, it's it's just with the it. players available. Like you know, yeah. it, 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 no matter what division they go into, you're you're gonna have your juggernauts. And yeah. You're have well, the my my point is is that like if you put them in the central division, I don't think they're making no. the playoffs anytime soon. Yeah. But if you put them in the Pacific, they could yeah, make I, it in I, like I, two or three years. You know. Um. In other news, uh, the this is all. I think the rest of this is the rest of the rapid fire is not related to the NHL. Um, the KHL is expanding to London. Um, I thought that was just cool news because um, they, you know, they're usually known to just be in like Czechoslovakia and Russia. But yeah, uh, yeah. So they're go- they're planning on going to London, I guess. Um, in, I guess the they learned from the NHL to be like, okay, we can expand too. Um, they're going to London. Um, yeah, I'm wondering how much that European Union decision factored in. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. That is possible. Yeah. Um, you had other rapid-fire stuff, Yeah, right? a couple of local stuff. The OHL's Ottawa 67s might be submitting an application to host the MasterCard Memorial Cup in 2018. The last time they hosted the tournament was in 1999 which was also the last time they won the Memorial Cup, uh, and that was probably one of the, the bigger events in Ottawa sports history. We haven't had too, ma- uh, too much of them uh, as far as championship goes to um, really put a whole collage of them together, but that was certainly a highlight for many people. Uh, the Binghamton Senators also confirmed they, are, will, they will be heading to Belleville, Ontario. Um, that will happen within the next couple of years. I don't think it's going to happen this season, but... Um, down the line within the next two or three years it's going to happen uh, apparently I heard rumblings I have no idea if this is if this is confirmed apparently the AHL might be adding a team and putting it in Binghamton so somehow Binghamton might still have a team anyway I highly doubt that's the case honestly you know, like if you're going to move a team out of Binghamton why would you why would you put another one right there but, yeah Anyways, uh, Belleville is going to have their team back. The big question for Belleville is the state of their arena. The big reason why the Bulls packed up and moved to Hamilton in the OHL is because um, the owner of the team at the time, um, he wanted either a new rink or major renovations to the old one. And the old one has had several new additions to it as well. Basically, the Madison Square Garden of the OHL at this point, outside of the Kitchener Auditorium. And... City Council took too long, and they moved, and he moved the team. So I think the status of their arena is still going to be heavily debated for years to come. And I think in order for Belleville to sustain success in that market, a new arena is going to have to be built, or at least major renovations done to the old one. So 
Um, something to look out on, but Belleville is going to have hockey back soon, and I'm sure people over there are, thr- are, are thrilled. The, the hockey market isn't the issue for them. They, they can draw fans, and they love their hockey. So uh, I love this for Belleville. Uh, and also, a South Korean talent making people look silly at Stars Development Camp. Uh, I'm going to try and find the link and post it, um, or even send it to Brandon. You can post it to the Lace em Up page on Facebook. Uh, only five foot seven, my height, and the stuff he can do is ridiculous. So I'll uh, try and look for that video uh, as well. Also, uh, a couple of other minor signings. Uh, after the least trade of Bernier, they signed Garrett Sparks to a one-year uh, two-way contract. And Jakob Markstrom gets a three-year deal in Vancouver. And oh, they yeah, also got Richard Bachman, too. So further the speculation, maybe this is Ryan Miller's last year in Vancouver. Isn't this also the like fifth start goalie um, in Vancouver to start? That's a good question. Um, let's see here. There was, so the Markstrom, Miller... Lack, Luongo, and Schneider. Yeah. yeah. So if, that's if five you years. That list to Fister and Goli to, yeah. to play for Anchor in the last little while. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, let's see here. Bruins send segment. This might be the first time in our segment history where we share um, a subject title because the Sens got Chris Kelly. Uh, the Bruins lose Chris Kelly. Um, yeah. But I guess I'll have you get you start because I guess we'll both talk about Chris Kelly. I don't I know. I find it as a bit of a head scratcher in the sense that they already have a, a, a lot of talent at. at um, I'm pretty sure he's a center. Yeah, um, he's a center. He's a good PK guy, and he'll probably be a good veteran presence for yeah, your team. Yeah, a though. good veteran presence. And I think that's. And what he's a good. He's a good. He's like one of the better PK guys for us. Yeah, and, um, and for that signing him for one year's reason, yeah. certainly beats having Scott Gomez back for one more year. Yeah. Uh, um. So, I in that sense, I like the signing of Chris Kelly. I'm not sure what to expect from him, but well, I mean, you had him before, but he was on um, the Suns before, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was on the Suns before he went to the Bruins. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Dezingle and Matt Pumple also re-signed uh, to one-year deals. Pumple is a two-way. And Mike Hoffman files for arbitration. It'll be interesting to see how this arbitration hearing goes because you look at Hoffman's numbers. Hasn't reached 30 goals yet, but awfully close the past two years. And you look at a guy in New Jersey named Kyle Palmieri who got paid five years. Uh, and just looking at the term of his deal right now, uh, five year, twenty three point two five million dollars. So that's four point six five million, and he got thirty goals, but he only did it once. And prior to that, he didn't even get close to getting like 30, 40, 50 points, like Mike Hoffman has done the past two years. So you can be sure Mike Hoffman's going to point to Kyle Palmieri's contract and say, "Well, if he's making this, I want to make this." Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how those arbitration hearings plan, pan out for Mike Hoffman and what Ottawa gives him. I remember arbitration season's like the most like boring time in hockey because it's like unless you get a big stud like PK Subban yeah. and you're just so it's waiting, like waiting, it always happens like a few days before yeah. just oh we signed him yeah I remember that yeah that's true that's exciting but then it's like you're always like disappointed you're like oh he's he's remaining with the team because the team always yeah. wins these arbitration cases and 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 getting back yeah. to um. And getting back to Alex Kalorn for a little bit, he just filed for arbitration as well. Um, oh. Obviously, that hearing isn't going to happen anymore. Oh, right, right. Yeah, good point. <laughs> That's maybe why they uh, signed him. Um, 
I think that's it for Suns games, yeah, right? Yeah, for, for, for the Suns, it's pretty much the noteworthy stuff that okay. I took out. And Bigminton, I already mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Colin, uh, so for the Bruins, yeah, we lose Chris Kelly. Um, he is a good veteran presence and PK guy. But now that we have Bacchus, he has, you know, he has more veteran presence and a good PK guy, but he's better than Chris Kelly. So uh, that's, uh, I'm, I'm sad he's leaving because he was good for us, but um, it makes sense. I, I was kind of expecting him to leave. Um, Colin Miller resigned, finally. One-way deal, two years. Um, this is a good contract. I guess this means that... Um, this is a good deal as long as Claude Julian plays him. Um, that was the yeah. big thing because he uh, he was always healthy scratched whenever yeah, he was in Boston. Waivers too. Yep. So this was always uh, this was always a thing where he had to, um, you know, he was always healthy scratched. But um, so if I, he I can, think this is one of those now or never yeah. signings. Yeah, exactly. Paul Miller and the Boston Bruins. Like, this is yeah. it. Take advantage of it or else we move on. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Joe Morrow was also re-signed for one year. Was um, it a one-way or a two-way? I think it's a one-way and maybe two-way. But it's a one-way. But it's, it's the same thing as Colin Miller. Um, it's like kind of like a show-me contract. Just, yeah. um, um, And, you know, like uh, the Bruins have a lot of um, – like the Bruins development camp started this week, so um, the media has been focusing on their their promising defensive back like uh, Carlo uh, McAvoy, our new draft pick, Grizzlick, who is a B another BU guy, as well as um, Ziboral. So um, yeah, I think our, like if we're if the Bruins are patient, we could get like a decent defenseman group out of that but um you know they all have to pan out uh, there's also jeremy lazan but um i don't know that's interesting and also uh marshawn is uh in talks now because he's gonna be a ufa next year oh, yeah. um he's probably gonna get a big contract um and i think uh yeah i think that's it for bruins news but yeah, um, it, it, it'll it'll be interesting to see what their defensive core looks like, yeah. and and you gotta wonder, you know, once Sedanchera retires and all those young guys, yeah. I don't know if any of them are going to be around when Sedanchera is still in the league. Yeah, but at some point, I think Chera's gonna have to groom one of the defensemen they have to be that, that guy. guy. All the other young guns lean on. Yeah, forward. I think and, that guy right now it's looking like that guy is going to be Tory Krug. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. But, um, but you know, Tory Krug has, you know, also needs to get better on defense. Yeah. He's been better. He's been better in recent years. But, um, you know, I mean, I think, like, it goes without saying you're never going to find another Chara. Um, yeah. But I think Krug is the closest to Chara, as we, even oh, though their, their size are, their sizes are very different um, in terms of height. But um, they're both, you know, uh, probably are. Next to, they're they're probably both our next best defensemen. So, um, in that area, um, I think that's it for us. Um, for this edition, anyways. Yeah, for this edition, anyways. Uh, we had fun. Yeah. Um, thanks a lot again. Of, lot of lot of informative opinions. Yeah. We're gonna try and get more of those as the exactly. summer and the season progresses yeah. as well. Stay tuned. Um, exactly. Uh, thanks again to Josh and Brian. We can't thank thanks enough. 
Yeah, really um, appreciate their insight. Yep, and um, yeah, that's it. All right, see you. I'm Brett Dubuff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 40, two weeks' time, on the Lace Em Up podcast.